All right, um, of course, it's first Sunday of the new year. So, New Year's resolutions. Uh, I am resolved. Is there a new year resolution? The challenge this year is will anything ever be the same again? <laughs> it isn't will things change, it's will, there everything, will, there, will anything ever be the same again? Well, you know, a, a, a New Year's resolution just goes in one year and out the next. Like that. My grandkids told me that. If they're having grandpa's church at the, on the couch, that's, that's what, you know, they've been having for a while in, in Missouri, grandpa's church on the couch. So, hello in Missouri. There you are. They told me that story. So, New Year's resolution in one year, in case you didn't get it, out the next. So, anyhow, enough time on that. So, uh, a resolution is a something that is uh, affirmed. It is a decision to do or not do something. So we are a resolution. I am resolved to make something happen. I, am, I, have, a res, I have a resolution that I want to present. And, that, and so when we're thinking of change, we have to begin with something. We have to begin somewhere. And generally, when we think of a resolution, we have to look at what we want to change. We want to look at an outcome. And then how are we going to change an outcome? You know, Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing you always did and expect a different result. You know, you just don't have it. So anyhow, the value of a resolution then is determined by what we think the outcome will be. And generally, if we're making a resolution, we're making it to make our life better, to, make our, to help us get somewhere in the progression of our walk with God and our progression as individuals, you know, uh, those, in, those in school, the progression is to finish the year, move on to the next year. You know, it's to finish the subject, to finish the assignment. So there are many things that we are resolved to do. But if the resolution does not contain the personal qualities of, a, of in the insertion of who we are as an individual, it really doesn't change us. It really doesn't make much of a difference. So can we have and can we make a New Year's resolution? And so many people do. I remember a story of the uh, one church. They, they, the pastor had everyone on the New Year's Eve service. They put write down what their New Year's resolution was, and they put it on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and gave it to the pastor. And then the next year at the New Year's Eve service, they would open the they got to open their own envelope. And did they did they uh, accomplish what they had succeed what they had put on the envelope? And the idea is, whenever there is accountability or an expectation, we generally work towards it. You know, accountability, expectation. And as they went through the envelopes, they they had an individual that had passed away <coughs> during that year. And so they opened the, up the envelope and he says, I doubt that I'll be here next year because I feel that I will die. <laughs> and he was gone. You know, sometimes expectations are met. <laughs> so the challenge is to have good expectations. <laughs> you know, uh, not allow ourselves to, you know, be succumb to difficulties. So um, why is it that people think that the new year is the beginning of a new life? It's Seems to be, it seems like it's a, a, a new year presents itself as a, a place to resolve 
let go of last year and make some New Year resolutions and get right into making things happen in a new way. Well, like I said, <laughs> resolutions uh, generally don't go very far because they are either too vague or they're too drastic. You know, I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. <laughs> and not going to happen. <laughs> you know, whenever I was sick, I lost uh, 10, 15 pounds, but don't worry, I found it. And uh, <laughs> so there are, there are things like that in our life that we, you know, we're resolved to let things happen. Well, one guy said, he says, do not spoil what you have by desiring what you, what you don't have. Remember that what you have now was once among the things you only hoped for. <laughs> and what's behind that is sometimes people think that they have to hate what they have in order to move on to something different. Hating and, and, and trying to destroy something in order to move on only is destructive. If it's not working, it's not working. If it's not right, it's not right. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Don't have to destroy. We don't have to, you know, like sometimes when people move jobs, you know, they have to, you know, find something wrong with the people that they work for and something wrong with the job. There's something wrong with this and I hate that. And I hate. No, it just doesn't fit. Because you can't hate something and fall into love. <laughs> You can't hate what you're doing and fall into loving the same thing at another place. <laughs> so the challenge is for us not to hate, but for, our, uh, for ourselves to understand the changes that we need to make, and then and looking at it in a very real context, I need to move on from this. It, w it worked for a season, but doesn't work anymore, so we need to be progressive and change coming into our life. So... Being resolved to change can happen. I mean, it does happen. As I was uh, writing this, I, I remembered a doctor that, we, that had spoken at Johns Hopkins. I went there many years for um, seminars. You know, and they'd have a, a pastor's seminar. This was going back many years. And I, I would go every year to these seminars at Johns Hopkins. And there's this one doctor who uh, got up and spoke. And he talked about his life. And he said about how that when he was a child, he was abandoned by his parents. So he had no idea who his parents were. And he went from home to home, and none of them were permanent, and none of them was ones that he would consider his home, but some somehow he ended up in his teenage years at this one particular home in which the individuals there beat him. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say they did it every night, but on a, on a fairly regular occasion, and they would beat him to the point that in the morning he'd have to sit in the bathtub to soak the sheets off of him from the blood that they had beat him with. So he, he then decided it was time to run away. So I don't remember if he was 13 or 15. He ran off and he joined a gang. And he was in very much involved in these gangs and in their brawls and their fights and so on. And when he was about 22 years of age, and I remember that part, 21, 22, he said about how that he was in his big brawl with this other gang and his best friend standing beside him was shot with a shotgun at close range and killed. And after the brawl, he was, he was thinking about this whole thing about how his life and he said, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to live either. So he began at that moment to change. 
He left the gang and he started the hard road to recovery and to change. And you can imagine leaving school at 14, 15 years of age, now 22, trying to pick it up again. And then we have him standing before us as a medical doctor as in, in a prestigious position at Johns Hopkins. So we find that change can happen, but generally it takes for most people to change. It takes a life-changing experience. You know, um, I, I go back to our uh, what's called Teen Challenge program, and it's a, a drug and addictive uh, centers. Now, it's Teen Challenge because it started out years ago, it was basically for teens, but now it's for all, all ages. But after 10 years, they have an 85% success rate of people who go through the program have an 85% success rate of not returning to their, their habits. In centers that are not Christ-based, the recovery rate in 10 years, and I was generous in saying it's less than 5%, <laughs> I think it was less than 1%, and so I, I remember the study was that the government came in, the government did the study, and they, were, they offered the challenge, Teen Challenge Centers that they would back them 100% financially if they would get rid of their God stuff. <laughs> you know. But you see, in order for there to be a new life, there has to be a change. And a change in our heart is not like a New Year's resolution. We find that there's only one place for a new life to start, and that is in Jesus Christ. And that new life that we have, there's only one person, and it's you and I individually must change from the inside out. For you see, when Christ changes us, it's an inside job. <laughs> it's inside. It's from the inside out. It's not from the head down. It's from the inside up. And our heart affects what we think, our heart affects where we go, and we find that this doctor, this doctor spoke of the change of his life, and his, rather than his heart bent on killing and destroying, his heart changed to healing and mending. So you see, whenever we look at individuals, we find that life can be changed. Now, um, Charles Swindle says, the remarkable thing is, we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we have embraced for the day. Every day we choose an attitude. And mine is always happy. I mean, I am 100% positive. My wife isn't here to disagree with me. <laughs> she would be giving oranges and apples and rotten tomatoes <laughs> because I am not... I am not sometimes not the most pleasant of people because I have reasons not to be happy. <laughs> it's not my fault, you know. You know. If she'd just do what I want, you know. <laughs> I'm being facetious. But the idea is that we choose our attitude. We choose how we will handle the day. We choose <laughs> we choose how we're going to drive down the road. <laughs> We choose how we're going to associate, and we choose how we respond to difficult situations. You know, I wish we could say, no matter what happens, I'm going to be perfect in all this. Well, you know what? Sometimes we get blindsided. Sometimes things hit, hit us just, where on earth did that come from? Well, 
things happen. Difficult to happen. And, you know, we're not perfect and neither is anyone else. If we can give ourselves permission not to be perfect every day, we can give other people per- permission not to be perfect every day. <laughs> you see, it isn't about holding other people up to a standard. It's about allowing us to be human in our relationships with each other. So there are many who look at beginning a new year, but they do so with antagonism and sarcasm and bitterness and noting that nothing ever changes. Like, this is a true, this is a true statement. He, the, guy, the guy told me this. He says, why get up on a stool if you know you're going to fall off? Just stay on the floor and avoid the pain of falling. That's depressing. <laughs> Don't look to change. Don't try to be different. Don't try to be better because I can tell you from life experiences, it won't work. And that individual succeeded in failing at everything. <laughs> and I mean, he did. I, I, I can't tell you the things he, he succeeded in failing at. And to know that he was coming was depressing. <laughs> You know, it just was one of those things that he was, you knew it was just a disaster walking in the door because he looked for disaster. And you know what? He found it. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean that um, he didn't have a bad life. I mean, he had, he had a very difficult life. Um, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, I think, poor family, you know, on the farm, but we never, we didn't have to wrap ourselves in the rugs on the floor for to stay warm in the winter time, <laughs> you know, there were there didn't ha- we didn't have times in which we didn't eat. So the guy came from a very poor background, but he you know but everything he said no need to get up on a stool because I'm just going to fall off. Well, here we go to Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. I'd love to say that I through counseling and change I changed this guy's life. Didn't. <laughs> Sorry to say, he you know no matter what you said it didn't work. And and the challenge is that we have to look at our life, and if we don't, we may have come in the most difficult places, but let's go back to the birth of Jesus. We just celebrated. Jesus, God incarnate, came and was born in a stable in a a cave with, with animals, manure, smell, you know, filth, he couldn't have been born in a, in a, in a lesser, worse place. He, he, if he was born out in the desert, you know, under a bush, it would have been cleaner than in a stable. So God came to earth knowing and being part of the lowest parts of humanity. He, he was all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knew and experienced every, every aspect of life from, from its worst of poverty to, you know, the greatest grandeur, the king of kings and lord of lords. And he knew all of those things, and he came so that we could have a chance to become like him. So that's the message of Christianity. That's the message of Christ, that we have a chance to change. And we change from the inside out through Jesus Christ. Now, the first section here is in Jeremiah uh, thirteen twenty three. It says, Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leper take away its spots? Neither can you start doing good, for you have always done evil. So we begin with this idea that 
People can't change. Now, Jeremiah was writing this, and what he was saying here, while he was declaring to the children of Israel that even under the threat of captivity of another nation, Babylon coming in and overrunning the country and taking them away from their homes and taking them to Babylon, even under the threat of this captivity, they had become so accustomed to doing evil that they had lost their ability to change. <laughs> so that's what Jeremiah is writing here about. You, you know, can a, can a leper change its spots? And you people have become so accustomed to doing wrong that you can't, even, you can't change what, you, what, what you're doing because evil is so much a part of you. Well, in our lives, people are going to fall. I mean, to say that we're going to stand up and never do another thing wrong in our life, that's not going to happen. Now, it isn't that we're planning to fail, but the idea is we're planning to succeed. And what happens is we get distracted by what people would call the unchangeableness of character that people believe that the character that you have, a person has, is what they are going to die with. <laughs> if they are a thief, they're always going to be a thief. If they are a liar, they're always going to be a liar. If, they have, you know, if they've done something wrong, they've robbed somebody, they're always going to be a robber. So people assume that a certain character trait is never, never can be broken. And that's not true. You see, it's like, I've tried. No need to get up on the stool if you're only going to fall off. See, that's where that, can a leper change its spots? So you see how people can take those things and just kind of fall into that niche that says, I'm never going to change, so why try? Well, the challenge for us then <laughs> is to not see that perspective because no one is without sin, no one is without fault, and the grace of God and the mercy of God can reach the lowest and the most <laughs> worst of sinners and change their lives. And so God is the one who is the, in the soul-changing business. So I'm not saying that a man has no power of self-improvement. People can reform. People can become better. But they must want to. They must desire to change in their heart of hearts. And only after, <laughs> after they have sometimes hit the bottom in life in which there is no place for them to look. Many individuals just survive. And I think that that's uh, so much of our society where people just survive from day to day or week to week, from weekend to weekend. The change is too good. The change to do good is difficult, often because they can, there's, there's pleasure, there's enjoyment in what they do. You see, there's this, the, the Bible says there's, the, there's pleasure in sin for a season. That there, you know, there's something good about what they do. And it can be, it can be anything. <laughs> it can be workaholic. It can, you know, it can be drugs, it can be alcohol, it can be, you know, it can, anything we can take and take it out of perspective, out of balance in our life. And there's something that people get out of it. And if they didn't get anything out of it, they wouldn't do it. So there's this, this element of allurement 
of sin, of something that is destructive, that holds people captive. Well, the challenge is that the Holy Spirit can come and break that chain, break that captivity. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do this in our lives. You see, when you struggle with life, when your walk with God seems so very difficult, there's, there's a cry that we need to have, and God is, heaven help me. <laughs> you know, sometimes people say, only heaven can help you, and the answer back is, heaven help me. <laughs> you know? God help me. Help me in this situation. Help me through this situation. Help me deal with this situation. Because it's beyond who we are. It's part of what God is calling us to do. So whenever we look at this, <laughs> to have change, you must change the habits. We must change the patterns. You know, if you take something out of your life that was wrong, sinful, you have to replace it with something good. If you have thoughts that, that are destructive, that are misleading, you have to get rid of those, but you have to put in the right ones. The right thoughts. You have, to, you have to get rid of those things and put in what is right. And so to change, you must change the habits. You must change the patterns. Jesus comes into our life and he forgives us of our sins. Well, we have to do something about that. We have to do something spiritual that changes our life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, this is the grand Christian answer to all the, the, the sins and the, 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 the things that would destroy us, destroy a person's life. We have to come full of confidence that God has given us the strength and the ability to change. I like what this, this person said um, that, about this text. It was, it was spoken by one who had no superficial estimate of evil. You see, this is the Apostle Paul he's speaking about here. Paul had no superficial understanding of what evil was. He knew what evil was. But who had known in himself the power of Christ to revolutionize life, to make a man love all that he had hated and hate all that he had loved and fling away all he had treasured. If you look at the life of Paul, he loved his pharisaical standards. He was the elite of the elite, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And that, in that position, he hated the church. He hated Jesus Christ. But we find that whenever he met Christ on the road to Damascus, his life changed. And so he found himself loving everything that he had hated. He found himself a believer in Jesus. And we find that he, he, the things that he treasured was a life of prestige and, a, and of, of, of presence and of stature in the, in, the, in the pharisaical system, and he threw that away for the knowledge of knowing Jesus. You see, the great hope for individual renewal, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Change comes because of Christ creating a newness in us. The newness, what does it look like? It looks like Jesus. In the sense that love replaces hate, forgiveness replaces bitterness and anger and resentment. We find where peace 
it replaces agitation and, and being destructive. We find where God is at work in us and we have this quiet confidence that everything is going to be all right. We need to apply ourselves. We can't sit back and say, well, we'll see what happens. No, we make application of ourselves and we ask God for guidance. We are changed because we are forgiven. That's something inward. All things were made new by our forgiving others. That's outward. So we find that there is something going on in the inside that makes us different on the outside. I am resolved to allow Christ to live within my heart and life. I am resolved to allow the word of God to become alive in me and to, as we have taken of communion and the breaking the bread of life and it is divided, as it were, into my heart and soul and my heart is healed from the wounds of life and my soul is restored by the breath of God in my soul. It's, it's something that God is doing inside of us. It isn't, it's not a resolution. I think I will be a better Christian. <laughs> no, I think I will, I will want to spend more time with God. And it isn't the minutes that we spend with God. It's being connected with God in those moments. Connected with God in those moments in which we feel and sense the presence of God, in which we feel that God is with us, and that I can survive and I can, God can do anything and make all things new. And those people who are, are, are lost, as it were, in their, their addictive behavior, I am looking at Christ and how the Christ can change. And so we continue to pray for the love of God and the peace of God and the strength of God to be with them. Because all is not lost. Because Christ is in us. He is the hope of glory. He is the hope of life. We find that remembering his death for us, it leads to self-denial. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about what I can do, but it's how Christ can work through me. And the last verse is in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away, and the one seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Then he said, Write this down, for these are the words that are faithful and true. And he told me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. We find that in this life, we know that the, the makeover... <laughs> The change from inside is not complete. We are not perfect. We will fail. We will stumble. So will other people. <laughs> and we can't put other people on a pedestal and say they're wonderful and then they fall off and we say, oh, well, you know, Christianity. No. Our focus is Jesus. Our focus is on our relationship with Jesus Christ. But he does tell us that one day, <laughs> one day, all will be made new. What Christ has begun in us will one day end up standing before God and he will make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. He will create all things new and everything evil will be cast into the lake of fire. 
All the evil thoughts, all the evil deeds, all the, 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 the you know, every devil, every demon, even Satan himself, they'll all be cast into the lake of fire. And everything will be made new and perfect in the kingdom that God will establish. And God is doing that even now, he says in Philippians. Paul says, and I am certain that God who began a good work in you. See, this is the process of life. God who has begun a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. You see, our growth and our change is an ongoing change. It is the work of God that continues. It would be nice if we could be perfect here and now, (laughs) you know, Uh, The one illustration says, here the most perfect life is like a half-lighted street with long gaps between the lamps. (laughs) The most perfect of life isn't really perfect because we're still human. And that's not an excuse. It's just an understanding that we continue to walk with God. We continue to know that the minutes that we spend with God are important. And if we spend more minutes reading and praying, that's fine. But it isn't the amount of minutes. It's the amount of connection to know that God is connecting with us through his word. We are connecting with him through our prayers and our thoughts and our meditations on the scripture. For you see, the life of a Christian is seen both by its greatness and its smallness by both its glory and sometimes by its embarrassment, by its brightness and sometimes by its spots. The disproportion between aspiration and performance. We desire to be good and sometimes we're not. Between willing and doing. You see, we must always strive. We must press on to the goal. We must be resolved that there is more to life and more to who I am than what I am right now. For God has a purpose in where I am. He has a purpose in who I am. He has a purpose in the place that I live, in the family that I am involved with, in the community that we have, in the world that we are in. God has a purpose, and so I am resolved that in a new year, I am resolved to follow Jesus 24-7. I am resolved that I will believe the word of God and I will continue to act upon the word of God. I will allow the faith of God to move within my heart and mind. I will allow the Holy Spirit to work in me, to reveal the magnificence of this eternal relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. And it is something that is greater than life. It is something of a divine life and presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. I am resolved that my life will be open to his presence. I am resolved that I will allow the Holy Spirit to love and nurture and to grow my soul. I am resolved that I will allow Jesus to touch my life. I am resolved that it is God who wants to walk with me and talk with me and tell me that I am his. Amen? Jesus, we thank you that you have 
taken our life as we have freely given it. You have received our life. And God, you have a purpose for each of us. And in, this, in the smallness and in the greatness, in the, in, the, in the aspirations and in the failures, God, you have a purpose and you can work all things to the good. And so we lift our hearts and we lift our lives to you. And Lord, we are resolved to say, Jesus, use me for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus, use us. <laughs> Amen. God bless you.